right, uh, welcome everyone to another episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast with your host Bernhard Gunther this time. And today I have a very special guest, uh, astrologer Michael Luton. And Michael and I have known each other already for over 10 years. And uh, I've got this my first reading from him before my Uranus opposition. And we've stayed in contact ever since because Michael is aware of many, many other things uh, from a very much deeper perspective and has a very unique approach to astrology as well, which I very appreciate. Um, you can find him at michaelluton.com and he lectures all over the world. He's given workshops all over the world. He's done astrology for many decades. He's written a few books as well, which I found very insightful. Some of them was Sunshines, The Astrology of Being Happy. It's about the nodes. Uh, Made in Heaven, The Astrology of Why People You're Attracted to Eventually Drive You Crazy and What You Can Do About It. I like, really, I like this one as well. And Childhood Rising, The Astrology of Your Mother, Your Father, and You. And I think he's working on a, on a new book as well right now. Uh, welcome to the show, Michael. Well, it's really great to get a chance finally to talk about all the things we talk about all the time. Exactly. <laughs> Behind the scenes. So, um, yeah, we have, we can, we have much, much to talk about and get into. So before we dive into more deeper topics, I'm just curious about, you know, how you got into astrology and your unique approach to astrology, you know, how you, because every astrology has a, has their own uh, approach. I think it's important to say that right up front because everybody does have a point of view and everybody has a valid approach to it. And so many people have so many different views of it. And I think that, Oh, the, what I've developed over the last years since since I got into this in the end of the 60s uh, has, and, and I was into it actually before when I was a little kid. I, there was a lot of as, aspects of what I do now that were involved when I was really a, a child. But it, it's important to say that right up front that any system that I have encountered, whether it's ancient astrology or uh, Vedic astrology, they all have a certain position and a perspective that I totally have to accept and respect, but I don't pursue every possible end. When you get into astrology in the beginning, it's important to check everything out, all the systems. It's very important, but eventually you're going to find your area that you are attracted to and that resonates for you. I started out really with just uh, Eastern philosophy and reading. Uh, I, I spent about three years studying the Tibetan Book of the Dead. I don't even know why. It just tells you what kind of a fun guy I am. <laughs> but uh, I spent about three years reading just that book. I was working on a novel at the time, but I that I found very informative and instructive and probably correct in terms of living. And from that, I drew to other uh, aspects of Eastern thought and then that took me into astrology and i studied western astrology which i practice now and at one point i realized that i needed other methods to describe not only the how the astrology and the planets affected people but how the people were affected by the planets and by how the people re responded i it wasn't enough to say you have this because your moon is here or your Mars is there. That was diagnostically correct, but it didn't promote any healing. It was diagnostically, yes, very amazing. When you get into astrology, you realize, how did you know that? 
even with the nodes of the moon, when I was first studying, I remember staring at the page and thinking, how do they know that? So it's, it's, an, it's a mind-blowing experience to have your chart done in the beginning, but I've come to realize that one session is not nearly enough. When you see an astrologer and the astrologer resonates with you, you're beginning a relationship, a communication with that person. And that's when I got involved in psychotherapy, involved in the method that I am dealing with now, which is, and I've been working on it for many, many years, and that is called communicative psychoanalytic psychotherapy. It's a big mouthful, but it's about unconscious communication and how valuable astrology can be in developing your abilities for unconscious communication. And it's on that level that healing can really happen. Interesting. So there. Yeah. No, beautiful. I, I remember that when you gave me my first reading, I don't even know how I come across. I came across your old website, <clears throat> the old HTML website back in those days. By the way, I love that website. <laughs> that was awesome. That's actually very unique because and it felt like you almost get like... Get rid of it. Get rid of it. No, no. Because I love it's it so because 90s. It's so no, 90s. I love that. <laughs> I love it because you also didn't give a shit because you were you're an excellent astrologer. I was also impressed how accurate even just your sun sign astrology, like the, the little updates you have here and there were very accurate through your right. own unique system. But then eventually I contacted you for a reading. I remember you were in LA. You, by the way, Michael is uh, based in New York. You can contact contact him in, for in-house sessions there, but he also does it over long distance. Um, I remember you were in LA. That was before my Uranus opposition almost 10 yes, years ago. Yes, I remember that. And I came by for a personal reading. And that's what I experienced, like your approach, like, because most people I feel, even myself back then, they're going, going you know, always going to, the sa to an astrologer for the same topics, like, what about my job, my love, my relationships? Tell me something good. Something good must happen, please. Right? You didn't give me that at all. Um, You also have your own unique of humor. And then also you brought in, that was really profound for me, that psychological aspect and really reflected back to me deeper issues I needed to look within me and didn't even talk in this astrology jargon, right? but used it in, in, a more, in a more practical way to really give me, take me the responsibility for myself, for my own inner healing. Right? And you can see also in an astrology chart, and that's always confounded me, you know, the childhood wounding is even in the, in the chart. Right, so to speak. So it always kind of fascinates me like, okay, what is the, the paradox between free will and predestination and all of that? Um, why, did you, why did you incarnate with those parents? Exactly. <laughs> you know, why did you, did you choose that? Was it a random act? Whatever it is, that's the story you came in on and that's the horse you have to ride whether you, with all aspects of it. And that is... Those are the people that you have to learn from and to, those are the people you have to teach. Yeah. So that's the, what happens in, 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 and that's why you're incarnated there because you have to learn from those people and teach them a lot. And that's what, I always make a joke that you can't really forgive your parents as you screw up your own kids because that's when you understand really how hard it is to be a parent and to raise kids. But the real thing is that that's the story you came in on. And that's the, that, and that, I think that is more, and that's more valuable in the long run than telling people they have Neptune here or Venus there, because it's a wonderful diagnostic tool, but it doesn't heal anything. I, I, and so I've, sometimes I forget to use astrology 
in the reading. Of course, I do everything in my head beforehand. I work before that. So, but I don't always mention the planets. So sometimes people will say, did you do my chart at all? <laughs> and I think, because <laughs> we're just having a conversation about the real issues of their life. Yeah. No, I really appreciate that. And on that note, it's interesting because, yes, it's, it's a diagnostic tool and it's very mathematical and left brain. But the true art of astrology, even in the ancient times, it's also it's a psychic art as well. You need to have a certain ability and certain intuition to read a chart because I'm really fascinated. I'm not, I realized like I have some very basic astrology um, knowledge, but I can, it's hard for me to get the bigger picture when I look at the chart, how everything interacts because it's easy to learn the, the book definitions of this is what moon and cancer means, Venus and Scorpio, whatever. But to see it, how it all functions together goes beyond the, the logical mind, right? Every, every horoscope has a mystery, like, like a murder mystery, but not a murder mystery. It's like right. a mystery. Every horoscope, my, what I try to do in my work before the person comes is to, is to discover the mystery, not to answer it. It's not my job. It's not my life. They have to do it. Mm. But if I can help them identify the mysterious un, things that don't fit together, it's a puzzle. If they can identify the puzzle, they're more likely to be able to embrace it without trying to think of they have to find an answer to it. It's embracing the puzzle that makes people much more happy in their life than trying to be something that they think they should be. And that's the great thing about astrology. It defines behavior and our destinies is very different from each other. If we can identify that and embrace it, we're really way ahead of the game. But that's, that's the way I really see it now is if I can help them identify that and then they recognize their recurring patterns, their obsessions, their unconscious repetitions. Those are the things that make people, give people humor about the crazy things that they do. Yeah. And that's what we all need. Yeah, exactly. No, it's true. <clears throat> now, I really found it's really also a great tool for anybody to learn about yourself, a basic tool to gain self-knowledge, like you mentioned before, to gain self-awareness, self-acceptance, acceptance of your parents. So you realize you cannot blame anyone anymore. It's just your journey you're on. So it helps to raise this, this awareness. But I also on address, like I also address, um, you know, astrology has become so popular nowadays and on, on the internet, you can put in your chart and everywhere. You know, where do you see the quote unquote limitations of astrology where people almost abuse it, where they just blame, oh, I have this and, you know, my planet is in this and that. And they just blame, they just, you know, are stuck in the diagnostic realm, but don't take any responsibility. Like everything else, people are at a different level of inquiry for whatever their life is about. You can, like an automobile, for example, some people like an automobile because it's red and it has flashy wheels. Some people say, no, I really want to know more about this, why this car works. And then some people become an expert as the mechanics of, 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 of developing transportation. So I, although I do have to roll my eyes a little bit sometimes when I hear people say things about astrology or various elements of their chart, it's, it's 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 a it's a gradient it's not something that that's why i realize now people need to really go into a relationship with an astrologer 
that 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 helps them actually develop the relationship itself which is therapeutic that's what's therapeutic but people think that they're going to go to astrology like they're going to get their hair done <laughs> and, uh, well they do they do because i haven't had my horoscope done and then some people go to astrologer after astrologer after astrologer after astrologer why do they do that they do that because something didn't happen mm. That's the real reason. Because once you find somebody that you can connect with and go deeper with on all your issues, you don't need a lot of other astrologers. I mean, there's a different type. If you want to do horary astrologer and, or electional to time events, that's different. But if you're just pursuing your life on the things that people really like, you know, health, marriage, career, you know, those things, you, it's, it's much better to, to be with somebody who understands you and recognizes you and validates you. It's not to make the astrologers rich, believe me, but it's, it really is uh, an opportunity to explore a relationship that opens the doors of perception to you. But I agree. I mean, people are at all different levels. People are, and I knew somebody once, I had a student. She was really wonderful. She was learning and she was terrific at what she knew, but she didn't know how to put the thing together, just the way you're saying. She didn't know exactly how to do that. So what she would do if somebody would call her, because they knew at work she was, you know, for her job that she was doing astrology, what she used to do is look up all of the aspects of the person that she calculated mm -hmm. and put little notes in the book and put little little pieces of paper in the areas of the book that explained it. And when the person came, she would open the book and read all those things to them. She was embarrassed to admit that to me, but I thought, why not? You're, you're showing people what you know, and you're not trying to tell them you know more than you know. I thought that was a wonderful way to open your friends and uh, relatives to astrology in a way that you were familiar. I, de I decided to go as deeply as I could in it, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so I had to develop a different aspect of uh, communication and uh, uh, interpretation. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. That reminds me, what do you feel of when we talk about you know, the limitation of astrology, that is a system that you cannot maybe possibly see everything in one person, just in one chart, because we are, what I say, multidimensional beings. There's so much happening, right, even maybe beyond the planets. Um, but also in terms of what I call level of being, level of awareness or your spiritual evolution that some, you know, affected more mechanically by the planets. And there's a notion of, you know, you study various occult teachings or esoteric spiritual teachings that you're able to transcend your natal chart to a degree, you know, so the transits don't have an effect on you, like for the mass, like compared to the masses, for example. Have you, have you noticed that at all? You've just because said so much in that one little <laughs> <laughs> I try to keep up with you, <laughs> but sometimes yeah. it's hard because in three sentences you could be way out there and I'm trying yeah. to catch up with you. But I will say that this is what I believe. Mm -hmm. First of all, as new planets are discovered, new dimensions of consciousness rise to the surface. Mm. So now we have Haumea, we have Makimaki, we have Sedna, we have Eris. Something is happening to consciousness in the last 20 years as these planets are being uh, acknowledged. Plus, 
extrasolar planets are being discovered, that, re that brings our consciousness, that stretches our consciousness even further. So the more, we are, we are products of incarnation. So the more planets that are discovered, the more we have to raise our level of behavior to meet those specifications. That's not to say that it's not very difficult because when planets are first discovered, behavior exi is exhibited probably on the lowest level. And as you say, the goal is to raise yourself and to uh, educate yourself so that you don't become somebody else. You're incarnated. That's the deal. But you can raise the level of interpretation of each of your planets and positions so that you become a higher being no matter what sign you are. And that, that and that's so that it's not so much becoming something else, but becoming a perfection. Well, it's, it's actually, uh, uh, it, it, it's actually a, a, not a thing you can reach. It's something you're, 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 you're drawn to. And so you're becoming something which is the epitome of your chart and rising above the chart itself, but you have and, and rise and therefore you can become more aware of all the outer planets at the same time, which changes your behavior from the normal, from the normal perception. So I, I think you said so much in that place. I don't know how to even answer yeah. it because I think that, I think the planets also are affecting the uh, endocrinological system. They're actually sending messages, some sort of chemical message that the pituitary complex is picking up and sending back. So we're, it's, it's, it's a two-way street between us and the planets. I bet if everybody in the whole world got up one morning and stayed in bed and didn't get up, if everybody stayed in bed, if everything would stop moving, all right. Yeah. yeah. But that also reminds me, like, all these transits, they're generally happening. I, mentioned, I remember you uh, I mentioned a transit, something that happened on Facebook. You mentioned this last weekend, some very... Uh, you know, the difficult Mars opposition. Uh, you talked about it on, on, on Saturday, I think. Um, but I feel like, like in that notion as well, these transits also affect everybody differently, depending also on, first yeah. on the natal shot, and secondly, how much work you have already done within yourself. Right? That's correct. That's really what That's it comes correct. down to. Yeah, exactly. I think that is true. That even though you're going to go through that, it's like going through the knot hole in a fence. When those, when those aspects happen, like the Mars-Saturn, the Mars-Saturn was unusually strong last weekend because Mars is weak in Libra and Saturn is strong in Capricorn. So there was, a, it was a David and Goliath kind of thing that eventually David will return and, and Mars will regain strength and come back. But it was, a, it was a punch and everybody got the punch. But as you say, if you have been working very hard toward understanding the vibrations and the purpose of them, you're not going to feel as victimized by that punch. Yeah. You'll see that there's justice in every moment as mm -hmm. hard as it is to sometimes see. But I think that you're quite right. I think that's what, why we even bother. Why, why would we even bother to know any of this stuff if there wasn't a purpose behind it? Exactly. That also, Want to know also uh, know the listeners let them know who is new to astrology or in generally basically that there are no such thing as good or bad transits or good or bad natal chart right it's so subjective you know we don't even our events in our everyday life just 
even in the moment something bad happens, but it actually quote unquote leads to something better. You know, I'm, a, you know, I'm, I get stuck in this black and white thinking and Laura, my wife makes fun of it. Even when I look at astrology, like I feel oh, all any square is bad and only trines are good. So, <laughs> you know, so again, not seeing the bigger picture, but again, like it, it you know, there's all the exalted uh, manifestations or the, the lower manifestations and it's a whole range, like the range of consciousness, how it can manifest for each individual. Right. I think that that's exactly what I always thought. Trines are good, squares are bad. But in, in a calamity, you want the people with squares around you. You don't want the people with trines around you in a calamitous <laughs> situation because they're all standing on a chair because they saw a mouse. But <laughs> it, it's the people with all the squares that know where to get the water, where to bury the dead, where to find. It's the people with the squares mm. that have, that come alive, even though they're always screaming for rest and peace. All I want is peace and quiet. They couldn't stand it. And the thing is, it's the people with all those squares that do this. They're the ones, the doers in a, in a situation where crisis is happening. Call out the people with the squares because they're going to know where the food is. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. But we all dread. Well, we live on a wheel. We live on this wheel of pleasure and pain. So we think, and it's true, the trines give us pleasure, the squares give us pain. Is there any purpose to pain? That's debatable. Some people say there is a reason why you have this, and not just your karma is that. You have this because you have certain abilities that other people don't have. That is the truth about squares. Even though people with a lot of squares are a major pain in the neck most of the time. But they're the people who are problem solvers. They see life as a cat's cradle with all kinds of conflicts and contradictions. The trines people don't like contradictions. They like things to be smooth, of course, and it's great for them. But it's the people with the squares. The people with the squares don't know what to do with themselves when things are pe- too, there's too many trines going on. Interesting. That's, that's a good point. I, I, I can see that. And also, I mean, it, what reminds me of what you said also human nature, quote unquote, human nature of the pursuit of pleasure and avoidance of pain, you know what I mean? Which also creates imbalance and stucking stuff away into the shadow, you know, but pain, quote unquote, and suffering is also part of the friction of the evolution of consciousness to, you know, confront our wounds, our karmic quote unquote lessons. In all of that. I was just talking about that this morning. Now, was I talking to someone or was I talking to myself? I can't, <laughs> quite, can't quite remember. We're all good friends. But uh, I remember I, I was talking about this morning and the idea of under, uh, when it ha- right now we're under a Scorpio lunation because we're, we're having this conversation at the end of October in 2019. But during a Scorpio lunation, The manifestations are quite different because every single person in the world is now under great pressure from the Saturn, Pluto, Jupiter, uh, Capricorn, South Node thing that we've been, everyone's been talking about. So everybody, no matter where you are in life, rich or poor, the rich people still have the same death anxiety as the poor people. It's death anxiety that has now gripped the world. And some things are literally challenging to life and other people, the other things are, are, uh, 
psychological and emotional and spiritual, but everybody's got this death anxiety right now. And when the pressures get so much, like now, when the earthly worries in the, are so great, practical things, under a Scorpio lunation, it's very easy to turn to the pursuit of obsessive fantasies as a distraction from it. And it works for a while. It tastes great, it feels great, but then you have to come back to reality. So no matter there are, so that as you say, as, you, as you've been saying, that everything depends on everything else. So it, right now there's a great deal of pressure that cannot be escaped. But under a Scorpio lunation, you can slide under the fence and come back before dawn because it, there is the issue of finding, finding a distraction and a way to release the tension caused by stress and worry. And Scorpio Taurus is a way to do that. Mm-hmm. So people so, do it through food and eating, but it, it keeps us all alive. It keeps us all alive so that we don't give up hope and that we don't give up in the time when we think we're defeated. Because you know what? When I look in that chart, and I look and sometimes I've seen, I have seen charts that I, I think in my office, I think, geez, I, could I cope with this? This guy's got to deal with this. Could I cope with this? The thing is, I make it my business to make sure that there are options that every time, everything that I see, it may not be pleasant, and people know me, they know I'm not always pleasant, but there are always options. You are given that chart to be an inspiration to other people as also to be inspired by them. So my, my goal is to help people see what's really happening, show them everything that I can show them, and help them become better at what they do and what they want in life mm. and keep them laughing while they're doing it. Yeah. Also like it helps if astrology, even if you look at a natal chart, it shows you how everybody's such a unique individual and the true self is almost buried there, but we just so then get conditioned, wounded, you know, official culture, society, entertainment, it gets all clouded, but deep in, inside, you see it in the chart, there's the true self, the true purpose of, of the soul, so to speak. Right? Nobody's boring. Yeah. Nobody is boring. <laughs> and the thing is, people have said to me, well, I'm boring. I'm just a normal person. Oh, really? Everybody has a side to them that is an abstract expressionist painting. Some people are figurative and it's easy to see what they're, what makes them happy. By the way, that's exactly what, remember when you, when you gave me the reading 10 years ago or so, when you looked at my chart, you said it looks like a Pollock painting. It was. <laughs> because it is quite, yeah, spread it out. It was. When you first look at it, you think, you, well, just some charts, like your chart, when you look at a chart, you think, what the hell is this supposed to be? <laughs> and then I think to myself, well, if I can't figure it out, neither can he. So we'll just have to work <laughs> on it together. But sometimes it is like an abstract painting. And you, and just like you go to a museum and some people would say, what the hell is that? My kid could do that. And when you, when you look at a chart that you think your kid could do, that's a, that's a deep, that's full of conflict, full of irony full of contradictions. How could he be this if he's that? How could he be that if he's this? 
And they think, well, it's not my job to figure it out. He'll have to figure that out. That's why he's here. And that's why he's coming to my office to help him identify what this is supposed to be, but not necessarily say, this is a picture of a meadow and then there's a house at the meadow. That's not what it is. Not everybody is born for that. Some people are born for a different kind of search. You obviously were born for a different kind of search because, you know, you're a, you're definitely an out-of-towner. I, I, you know I, what I mean. I can agree with that, yes. <laughs> an out-of-towner, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it's very true. No, no, that's, you know, it's also about these, these inner, I can see myself, these, these contradictions, all these different eyes, who am I truly? You know, but this friction, this internal friction, if you own it, that's also leads to the alchemical transmutation, transformation. I remember you gave me, I remember the reading and it was just a few years before my Uranus opposition. You even said you didn't make specific uh, prediction, but something like really profound this in this area may happen. Boom. And it did happen. I had no idea, you know, what I'm doing now. I didn't consciously plan 10 years ago, things like that, you know, and, and how it has Uh, developed and there were a bit difficult lessons, you know, devastating relationship wise and all of that. But it was almost like necessary karmic lesson to really come to a place of, of self-empowerment more connected to my true self. So that's what I meant. You know, sometimes these devastating experiences like death experiences are like in the moment they suck. Like I don't want to experience this, but you go through this and you realize, Oh, this was a necessary initiation, you know? So on that note, Let's jump into the topic you just mentioned. Uh, everybody's talking about the Saturn-Pluto conjunction in 2020 coming up. And every, every, so many astrologers, people are threat, um, afraid of it, whatever, threaten it. People see it as, a, you know, talk about it from all different levels. The individual, the political, the global, the spiritual. Are they, you know, are we going to awaken? Are the aliens going to come? Will they make this control system take more grab of... of, of of us, what do you see happening? All those nice things. <laughs> But I will say this. Every sentient being is now being assailed to raise their consciousness or die. Mm. I should say raise their consciousness and die. Because, of course, there will be some many liberal death and many literal death and many goodbyes. And he said, that's not necessarily what I mean. It's dying to a whole set of realities in philosophy, in government, in religion. This is wild what's happening. But it's happening and it, it makes us ask, what is sentience? I looked it up in all these books. Sentient beings are those beings that are, are in traditional definition. Sentient beings are beings that can respond subjectively to external stimuli and can solve problems that come up. But I think sentient beings are everywhere, mm -hmm. different levels. There was recently a story about a family that was on vacation. I think it was California. I think it was. But they were walking along the shore and they found a little, I think it was a small young one, octopus stuck in the sand as the tide was going out. So uh, they, they stopped and they like, dug around it and they liberated the octopus from the sand and so it could go back into the water. 
The next morning, they were walking along the same beach, and lo and behold, that little octopus came close to the shore, but stayed in the water and followed them all the way down the beach. And it lasted for a few days more while they were in California, wherever they were. That's gratitude, obviously, being shown. The thing followed them for a while. So you see a lot of, there is many, many wonderful stories on the net now. I, uh, I forget the name of the, of, the, of the YouTube, but of animals that are responding to other animals as well as human beings. I think I saw a hippopotamus. I think it was a hippo. I can't remember now. Helping a little duckling up a step so it could follow the mother and the other little ducks. First, you thought it was just going to swallow it, but it didn't. It, it helped it. It helped this little duckling move. So there is a movement afoot, a rise in consciousness, not only land grabbing and killing people. That's not the only thing that's happening. There also was a rise in, uh, in sentience and the sensitivity to other living beings. That's also happening. We get caught up in the Saturn-Pluto because the Saturn-Pluto is a bitch in the sense that it is a very tough thing to face. Those of us who are, were alive in 1983, we did it. It wasn't easy, but we did it. This is an especially difficult one because the whole paradigm of what it means to be live, alive and human on Earth is changing. With the arrival of AI and robots and Alexa and all those things, I was at my nephew's house several months ago in San Diego, and and uh, he has Alexa, and it was in the other room. So I said to him, "Does Alexa know everything?" <laughs> and from the and from the other room, I heard Alexa say, "I don't know everything, but I know some things." Wow. See, we got to get used to this. Yeah. On, so on that note, record quick. That's also the the dawn. We can get this later, but I'm curious. The dawn of transhumanism ties it also into uh, what we experience with Taurus and Uranus. Oh, uh, Uranus and Taurus. I mean, you know that does that tie into it's transhumanism? A, yeah, I think it's a it's an absolute quantum leap happening at the same time that Haumea and Makimaki and Sedna and Eris are being entered into the horoscopes. We don't know exactly what they mean, mm -hmm. but that's how people felt about Pluto. The more, yeah. the, more planets, the more planets that are discovered, especially now extrasolar planets, we don't even know where the hell, what horoscope they fit in. We don't even know whether they have a zodiac. Uh, so it just almost resembles also the, the, the quote-unquote discovery of new planets expanding, also our expanding consciousness. So the planets not only affect us, they also reflect us where we're at, right, in a sense? Right, they, and they help to define new challenges for the human experience. So, you know, am I going to have a robot in the house? Probably eventually. I've got, you know, if I've got a washing machine, I got a robot in the house. Your yeah. toaster is your first robot. That's Isn't it? I mean, you just, sure. you have the, you have the toaster is your first robot. You say, you put the thing in, you say, make toast. And it makes <laughs> toast. That's what I t told my physics teacher in high school. I said, he said, what is it? Why does a toaster make toast? I said, it's got to be witchcraft or something like that because you put toast in and then it toast, you put bread in and toast c turns into toast. That's got to be magic because mm. magic is what human beings don't understand. And as we expand our consciousness, we can see that there's a, a reason and ability and there are human sides and there are non-human sides. And that's what we're, we're facing now.
the fact of the challenge of being able to have to relate to non-humans. That's one thing as of, uh, in terms of the other out-of-towners we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, so when is actually the, the Saturn-Pluto conjunction happening exact, the date? Uh, well, I'll tell you. But then I'll tell you, don't wait for that date. It, because by the time now. the planet, by the time, yeah, by the time it's exact, it's over. It's like, there's a, we have a bus <laughs> driver here in New York. He's a, he's a, he reminds me of this Adam Pluto because he doesn't tell you the name of the street until the bus is pulling away from the street. And he says, <laughs> that was 79th Street. <laughs> And I think, oh, this is the Saturn Pluto, because by the time it comes, it's over. The thing is that January 12th is supposed to be the exact thing, the exact moment of it. But then there's the Jupiter Saturn that's going to be all year in 2020. So it's it's a it's a gradient. It's asymptotic. It's not something that is. It's people say this is what people want in prediction. When does it happen? Mm. How long does it last? Is it good for me? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, that's, that's it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you could actually be really cosmic and just say to everybody in the first five minutes, well, you're going to die. Not immediately, but eventually. That's all there is to it. So you, you can look at things in a very dismal way that way and say, well, what am I bothering for? But the thing is that everything that happens is developing your ability to cope with it and to become... Uh, wise and 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 inspiring to other people and and to also inspire yourself but the saturn pluto january 12th it's supposed to be over but it's not like a heat wave that we say oh yeah that was terrible that was five days of over over 40 degrees that's it's not like that it's by the time it happens you have been changed Mm. you're cooked So that's also even with these these transits, especially those lower moving planets, you feel it's already coming. It's like, you know, it's not like, you know, a moon, whatever transit you feel for a day or a few hours and then it's over, gone. It's like you said, it's the buildup. And then it will also, the after effects after you mentioned, it's, you already changed and then you got to deal with that. You got to deal with that. And the thing is, then you say the moon thing, what about your birth process? The birth process is, I think, one of the great, challenges of life it's your first goodbye to your mother it's the mm-hmm. the birth process the where the what the moon did during the during the labor and afterwards if you were born through labor that sets an emotional tone for the rest of your life yeah because it's your first encounter with death leaving the leaving the womb is is like death and it's and it, it is showing people what really was the first contact and separation they had from the protective womb. So, of course, that moon thing lasts your whole life. Every month your moon is in the same position it was when you were born. So you, re- you unconsciously experience it. That's the basis of all my work. The mm-hmm. earlier that the ant transits happen, the more deeply embedded they are in the unconscious uh-huh. and the less likely they are to get pe- through cognitive therapy. You can't reach them. That's why I got involved in unconscious communication because if things happen really early and they're very prolonged, like if you have a very prolonged aspect and very first five years of life, Mm -hmm. those things are going to remain on your unconscious truth and you're going to be acting them out all the time. The more that therapy can bring out your repetition 
your unconscious repetition of those memories, the, the, the easier it is to free yourself from them. Interesting. So that, that makes sense that the birth experience itself is actually a death experience because you're separated from your mother from this cozy womb inside and then thrown into this world, mostly violently. Right. Yeah, do- this, I got in, yeah, really. And yeah, I got into this aspect of my work by meeting a psychiatrist who I believe was a smart, he was the man, he said, we, I always call him the man who killed Freud because he had, he had really gone beyond Freudian uh, psychoanalysis in his work. And he was very uh, criticized by many, his name was Robert Langs. He was criticized by many, many uh, psychiatrists, good psychiatrists who were very against it because he believed that the psychiatrist was also being unconsciously monitored by the patient. But many psychiatrists couldn't take that because they blamed everything on the childhood. And he, and he believed that the, the, the patient, let's call him the client, had also as many uh, accurate perceptions as distorted. And that was the, the gift was to be able to release those accurate perceptions of the therapy, which are unconscious. So that I've been working on that and trying to develop that in my astrological practice since 1975 when I met him. So it's, it's 25, is that 39 years? Something like that, yeah, yeah. It's nineteen seventy-five. Is thirty-nine years ago? Yeah, I was. No, no, it's just long, longer than that. I was, I was born seventy-two. I'm forty-seven. That's more than that. Yeah, it's over forty. It years. is twenty-five, yeah. and twenty is forty-five years. Yeah, yeah I was five yeah. years old. Yeah, I was yeah. five years old. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> now, but it's true. Even if you know nowadays that the first three or four you know, up to five years really set the stage for the rest of your life. You know, and like my wife, Laura, she works with somatic therapy and all of, you know, and also somatic therapy, uh, tuning into the body because a lot of the trauma we experience, we cannot even consciously remember and process via talk therapy. There needs to be, you know, a deeper process, but the body holds score. But again, like a lot of the wounding and trauma we experience happened in the first four or five years, which correlates to what you said, those transits may have reflected that or affected that as well. And when you think about Aspects that are exact and partile at birth. That's what you, that's the horse you rode in on. Mm. That's part of your makeup. It's what we call your product feature. And that's what you have to embrace. If you're born with something exact, that's in your, that's in your chemistry. And there's a genetic level, a historical level, a psychological level, an interactional level, and a spiritual level. All those six levels have to be, uh, identified in doing a horoscope. That's what I try to do. Mm-hmm. That's why. That's why I. I don't just say you have the moon here in the Venus. I, I. I remember my friend Jeff Jower, who was a wonderful astrologer. He's no longer with us, but Jeff always said, "Don't forget to mention the planets because there's magic in the name." So mm-hmm. I try to always remember that and not just wipe out references to planetary transformation because I think it's important too. And I get that from Jeff. I never, I never forget that because sometimes people will say, did you read my chart at all? Sometimes I'm so into translating the planets into their life that I forget to mention them. Yeah. 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 But it also shows you the season astrology that you're able to say that and not just mechanically repeat definitions of certain, uh, you know, constellations and whatnot. 
But I so. did that in my earlier years. I used to put the chart up on the wall. I used to make huge charts and put them on the wall. And then there would be two seats. We would sit comfortably staring at the chart. And I would read the chart to the persons. I thought that's how I started out. And, I, and the, you know, they were very good for what they were. And that they were defining and diagnosing what, what uh, behavior I saw. Mm-hmm. But I saw, I, the thing was, I lost a client to suicide mm. in the early 70s. And I didn't recognize the signs because I was too into Saturn and Mars. Mm. I was too into the definitions mm-hmm. without recognizing the signs and behavior. And that's when I realized, you know what? I need more training. Astrology is great but I'm not doing my job, which is to identify and to heal the best that I can. And that's why I got into what I got into. I fell into this communicative psychoanalytic psychotherapy and it filled the bill for me and it it helps to flesh out horoscope interpretation. So that's that's interesting because you mentioned at the beginning that you looked at different systems. Did you look a little bit into Vedic astrology? I've never gotten a Vedic astrology reading. My wife has, but it's very predictive. They even predict your death and all of that. But Western astrology is not that predictive, right? That's the. But people want predictions. Exactly. <laughs> they want predictions because they'll say, you know, you'll go through a whole wonderful reading about their karma and their path and everything, and at the end of the day, they'll say. What do you see for January? That, because people think that that's what astrology is. And they'll say, what about that earthquake? Did you predict it? If you didn't predict it, what's the use of astrology? They don't really see that, but they, you have to include the ability that you are climbing up to the top of the tree and you're looking to the edge of the forest. Mm-hmm. You have to show them that that's possible without giving all the power to the future, because then it makes people think they, they'll just wait for the thing to happen. And they also, can't. they also probability, it's just probabilities in the sense, right? Because it's probabilities. The future Unless they're, they could all be true, maybe. Yeah. In a quantum universe, we're happy. Yeah. So that's interesting. Now I want to just go, uh, before we go big into the bigger trends that's happening right now or coming up, what you said about reading a chart and then childhood. So I'm curious, you know, a little bit about my work. So I talk about, you know, uh, especially I have a whole, there's a lot of research out there about psychopaths, you know, genetic psychopathy, as I call it. A lot of Dr. Robert Haar, Haar has made a, wrote a book without conscience. There's more research coming up that um, some, a psychopath defined as somebody who has no conscience, literally no capacity to feel love, compassion, and they feel very different, literally feel themselves as, separate from normal humanity, but genetic psychopathy is uh, people who are literally born without a conscience. It's not uh, necessarily related to wounding within childhood growing up, right? Which we most feel like uh, pathological individuals develop from that. Can you read in a chart if somebody is potentially actually a psychopath? (laughs) That's what I've always wondered. You know, because when we read charts, maybe we always assume that everybody has the same capacity for love, emotions, and their their trends affect them. I think you have to know the person. Yeah. Because people can, I've known situations that are so terrible in infancy 
that they carry that wound with them all the time. Mm -hmm. That does not necessarily mean they're going to be devoid of humanity. That's what you have to watch the human behavior and see. You can't know that from looking at the natal chart. That would be cursing somebody. But I will say that if you encounter behavior, I remember someone who died quite young. He was a very nice young fellow, and he uh, he had one of the most difficult charts I ever saw. You could probably say he he would not form any normal relationships. He was a very nice guy, actually, but he had a tough family thing. He died at 37 years old. But um, you, if you look at a natal chart, you see all kinds of possibilities experiencing the person will tell you where they have gone and where the development has been hampered or stopped. At that point, the Buddhists in Tibetan medicine, Terry Clifford had wrote a book. There are many books on Tibetan medicine and psychiatry, but one belief is some people, the medicine for them is compassion and they have gone to a certain place that they will not solve that problem in this particular incarnation. So you have to develop compassion at a distance. Mm -hmm. Your objectivity counts. And if you can identify the behavior that you call psychopathy, if, if it's psychopathic behavior and it's dangerous, you have to stand back, look through a telescope, and still seek to develop compassion for that person and hope that in the next round, the next movie, the person will remember that little bit of compassion you gave them. So sometimes the healing medicine, just like in regular medicine, is not going to help any case that's too advanced. Whether it's spiritual illness or physical illness, the person must go through what they have to go through. But if they can realize that you have to administer that medicine with compassion and wisdom, they will have a better chance in the next round of not repeating that behavior. But I can never personally be comfortable saying someone's a psychopath by looking at a horoscope. No, that's fair enough. That, that makes sense. But also yeah, compassion from a distance without falling into blind compassion, you know, that, that thing of, uh, that's seductivity that's, of a sociopath. Yeah. Or what, what the Buddhists call idiot compassion, right? Yes. Right. You don't make your boundaries you clear. <laughs> you have to make the boundaries clear. I, I'm, I, keep, I try to keep very, very good boundaries. I try very hard to keep boundaries. I'm, and that's part of the, the method of psychiatry that I, was, I have been working on is actually keeping the framework very strict because individuals who have been raised in a chaotic environment will never want to keep a framework. They're always going to want to probably usurp the boundaries. Mm -hmm. So being very conscious of what those boundaries are is vital in terms of proper uh, therapeutic connection. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's, that's true. There's, there's compassion and there's compassion. Uh, There are people that I can't feel compassion for. There, is a, there are a couple of cases, not my personal clients, but certain criminals that have done things that I, I think I can't get it. I just, I just can't get it. But mostly that pe- I feel sorry for people who've been in positions of great power and wealth and fame and love and destroy everything. Uh, what's happening right now in the world is that you have 
a usurping of power. Capricorn is always about involved with power and its potential to abuse it. And it always in, in the world involves what they call eminent domain. Do you know what that term is? No, what does it mean? It, it means that any, like the government can take your property because they're going to build a highway through your house. Yeah. Something I think that's like what's that. happening right now. And we can get into this deep in a second. Now, what with all the fires in Northern California, you know, that's what so. Columbus did. Columbus mm -hmm. got here and said to the, you know, said to the natives, wow, this place is beautiful. Get out. <laughs> Exactly, because literally what you said, there have been plans of the superhighway through Northern California. And, and, you know, and what we don't know. It could be all mm. about real estate. Ah, yes, buying, we talked about Buying that. up, you know, people are going to flee California now, and that's going to be perfect for real estate developers. Mm -hmm. It could be that. Could be that. I'm not saying it is. Could be anything. But uh, Capricorn is, is always about living on the edge of the danger of usurping the power. I wish I could show you this picture, but I, I don't see how I could do it on this thing. Mm -hmm. There's a picture that I will show you when we finish it at, at, you know, at the end. So I'll show you this picture of what I see Saturn and Capricorn being about. It's about being on the edge of destruction and being very high up in power mm -hmm. at the same time. Yeah. And that, that, and that's, that's been a history of going on, but we've never had, That we've never had something as strong as this Saturn in our lifetime, certainly, of Saturn, Pluto, uh, Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto on their own south nodes. Uh, and Mars is going to, of course, be there too. We, we haven't had that particular. We've, we've lived through Saturn, Pluto. 9-11, I think, was Saturn opposition Pluto. And uh, 1983, 82, 83 was was a conjunction at 29 Libra. So we've lived in 1948, the, the beginning of Israel, uh, which w was Saturn Pluto in Leo. So uh, Israel will be in anything that time, anytime a planetary configuration repeats itself, you have the issues come up again. So now th this will be a big issue in terms of Israel and Palestine coming back up because it was 1948 that they conjoined each other before. And I think they conjoined each other in 1985 during the AIDS epidemic. I think they also did. Or they was hover no, it was hovering right near there because it took place in 83, but it was hovering in Scorpio with the South Node for a long time during the AIDS epidemic. Interesting. Yeah, so we are... We are at the end of the first hour. There's a lot more to You're kidding. Talk. It goes fast. We just yeah. started. We just started, but I'm looking forward to the second hour. I definitely want to go deep into what you just said. Definitely let's look deep into Saturn Pluto conjunction, Capricorn. That also relates to what's happened, the South Node in Capricorn, the North Node in Cancer, right? And maybe I would like to look what you also I know you're very um good at an expertise in in the astrology of the U.S. and what's happening there, the natal chart and how this it's affecting the U.S. Yeah. And I definitely want to get into what you call the occultation of Saturn Pluto and what does it mean in the bigger picture. And, you know, my work, I know your work, I want to look deeper into the so-called, you know, New World Order, what's happening there in light of astrology. And um, also with regards to the topic of all topics, we hinted at the otherworldly UFOs, alien contact, disclosure possible in light of astrology 
and and all of that. Disclosure really... happened in July of 1947. Okay, I I, I know what you're hinting at. <laughs> that was disclosure then, and the uh, end of the world as we know it ended in 1945 with Hiroshima. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. But let's so go let's... deeper. In... Let's go deep into that in the, in the second hour, and then see we'll that. solve everything. And then solve. And there it. won't be anything to exactly. do. What are we going to do after? <laughs> Excellent, Michael. Thank you so much. And again, uh, the second hour is for members um, of Piercing the Veil of Reality. If you haven't signed up yet, go to my website, veilofreality.com. You can sign up there for the second hour and also have access to the membership forum. And again, Michael Luton, he's reachable at his website, michaelluton.com. He's also a great Facebook page. And he has also really appreciate you give a lot of updates of current events, uh, current transits and how it affects. Very insightful, very inspirational. And and also want to thank you. You have helped me a lot in my own life as well. You know, most often make, being able to laugh about myself, that helps a lot. You know, not yeah, taking yourself too serious. Uh, very important in this day and age. And um, yeah, we'll be we'll be right back. <laughs> 